and welcome to The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And this week, we're going to be talking about the verdict in the E. Jean Carroll uh, battery and uh, defamation case against Donald Trump. But first, before we get to that, um, Sarah, what you eating and what's eating you? Quite literally, I was just eating the Twizzler pull and peel, which um, I don't actually recognize the Canon uh, Twizzler as being the superior Twizzler. Uh, the, the pull and peel is so clearly, obviously better in every conceivable way that a Twizzler can exist. It's more fun to eat. It tastes better. The texture's better. There's more candy there. Like one rope of pull and peel is like super satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's amazing, both stale and frozen, which essentially achieves the same effect. So, uh, and uh, what's eating me? I got to be honest with you, man. Um, I'm so blissfully, um, like, listen, I know this is common practice for everybody else who's, like, had a commercial space for a long time. But, like, I made enough product and then I put it in labeled boxes and put those boxes on a shelf. And last week was the first week of the farmer's market. And I just waltzed in there like a fucking prick and just picked up the product that I needed off the shelf, all of which was there. And we had like an incredible, incredible first Saturday. So I just, I can't complain about anything, but congratulations. That's That's awesome. What about you, Matt? What are you eating and what is eating you? So uh, I'm going to go future tense. So future Matt is (laughs) about to be eating chicken and rice. And uh, I just have to say chicken and rice, they go together because they are delicious together. And like, (laughs) Nine million different cultures all have some variation on it, and there's a good reason because it's fucking amazing, and I am very much looking forward to that. And uh, what's eating me? Uh, what's eating me? I mean, there are a bunch of things that are eating me, uh, uh, but one of the things that's eating me right now are allergies. Um, I don't know, uh, for those listeners out there who suffer from seasonal allergies the way that I do, I send my wholehearted condolences because they suck. Yeah. And uh, I, for years, um, when I was a kid, didn't want to take allergy medicine. I thought it was for the week. And then (laughs) when I started taking it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is how, this is what breathing is supposed to be like. (laughs) Um, Like, it's amazing. Uh, and so I've been doping myself up for the season and, uh, it's not that much fun. Not to mention that, you know, if allergy meds are proof of anything, it's like the greater. So fun fact about, uh, trees and arborists in cities, um, female trees, as we well know, make fruit and Mm -hmm. male trees make pollen. And, um, so arborists, urban arborists for years have been planting male trees because they are, uh, they create less mess, uh, they create less clogged drains, um, and they create less bird shit, which apparently is enough to drive people just completely up in arms. So if you have noticed over your lifetime, if you are about our age and you've noticed that your allergies have gotten worse over your lifetime, that is, could be both exposure and, uh, an increased pollen count. Yep. You just get tree jizz everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not so much fun. It is hey not. man, it could be worse. It could be like the uh the pine um or what is the what's the what is it in Texas that makes that leaves this like lime green film all over everything? Isn't it pine trees that leave that terrible pollen everywhere? Yeah, and it is gross. It's awful. R.I.P. Texas. Sorry about everybody sinuses yeah. down there. <laughs> um so today, speaking of cities. In New York City today, there was uh, the conclusion of a three-day trial in which uh, E. Jean Carroll, um, now weirdly, uh, uh, one of the co-founders of Talkify, which I didn't know. Huh. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, a gossip columnist, writer, um, feminist, uh, sued Donald Trump for battery and defamation. Um, this happened many, many decades ago. And I want to note here, just that this is a really interesting uh, moment where um, a law that was passed recently actually did good. In 2022, um, there was a law passed uh, for, with it was justice for adult. Sorry, I can't remember. It was essentially a bill that allowed um, victim, childhood victims yeah. or adult victims of uh, sexual assault, battery, those sorts of things uh, to sue 
um, their abusers, uh, even if the statute of limitations had run. And it was a one-time deal that it was yep. basically like, if you, you know, in years ago, if, because this is in recognition of the fact that like the Me Too movement was recent and, and, and not historically, uh, not, not something that happened in the past. They're like, if you, if it was brought years ago, if the situation happened years ago and you didn't feel like you could bring it then, you can bring it now. Yeah. Um, but just, just for this window of time. And that's what allowed Eugene Carroll to bring that case. Uh, and I want to note that the three day trial wrapped up at noon today and the verdict came down at 3 PM. <laughs> uh, so this was not, let's just put it this way. The jury did not find this to be a particularly difficult call to make. And, and so Sarah, how did you feel going in uh, before the uh, verdict was announced? What were your expectations? I mean, so this trial went through the most gross and familiar steps vis-a-vis, like, what were you wearing? Was she really that hot? Et cetera, et cetera. Right? Like, and not that it bears repeating to our audience, because this is not the people who need to be told, but like, rape is about power. Rape is about power. Rape is about dehumanizing another person. It has nothing to do with how hot you are. Like, uh... To me, uh, it, it just like, ugh, especially like seeing people on the left, like show photos of her during the time that this supposedly happened being mm-hmm. like, yeah, she is hot. And it's like, no, you guys, God, <sighs> God, don't, we don't, don't even start. Don't play the game. Don't yeah. play the game. But you know, like so many things, um, I like a lot of women have been trained to be pretty jaded about this. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't assume that much. Well, now let's back up a little bit because we talk about a little bit about the actual sort of Mm -hmm. meat of the case, because it's beyond just like the, the case is uh, a um, uh, libel Uh, battery and defamation. Okay. Defamation. That's what it was. So, so there are sort of two things happening here as I understand it, which is like, did if, if he did rape her, then he defamed her by saying he would never do that, right? So, like, you're it's kind of a two two for one deal. Yeah, and I, I know I want to note that they are connected. So, first we have the first accusation, um, well, which was uh, Miss Carroll's claim that she was raped, sexually abused, or forcibly touched. Yeah. Um, uh, by Donald Trump and they could find for her on any of those. Um, and in this case, actually they did not find that, um, he raped her. And that's because rape in this case is defined very narrowly as like penis and vagina. Yeah. And I I just have to say her, um, testimony based on that sort of narrow definition, I could definitely see the jury not believing, uh, not believing that the, the penis actually entered, her vagina that's entirely plausible based on her um description of the events however um they just went to sexual battery yeah right which is perfectly fine and was uh uh good enough uh to uh to fulfill that prong uh of her uh, of the case and remember this is a civil case not a criminal case so maybe we've all been sort of um or, or, or like to think of um beyond a reasonable doubt uh, thanks to law and order, that's not the situation here. The, the legal standard is much, much lower. It is simply preponderance of the evidence, which simply means 50% plus, over 50%. It was more probable than not right. that she is telling the truth and he is not. And Matt, will you talk for a second about like, as I understand it, there have actually been quite a, quite a number of these cases mm-hmm. where uh, a criminal trial was either not brought or the person was found not guilty, which like mm-hmm. we should do a whole episode about n- not guilty versus innocent. Right. Cause there's yes. like 1 billion legal <laughs> words of scholarship in there. Right. Yeah. Like, cause people always say like, Oh, well he was proven innocent. It's like no one no. has ever been proven innocent in the history of the legal system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it is extremely difficult to prove someone's actual innocence beyond right. like, uh, the kind of evidence that's incontrovertible. Like, for example, if the person robbed a liquor store Thursday night and then there is video evidence of them being literally halfway around the world yeah. um, for that entire time span, like that would prove someone's innocence. 
but that's not what the legal system does. The legal yeah. system doesn't need to prove innocence. They just have to prove w- whether or not the person bringing the case and in, and in criminal prosecutions, it's the state, right? It's the people yeah. um, fulfills their uh, obligation under the law, whether they reach the standard of proof necessary. Yeah. And in a criminal case, that's beyond a reasonable doubt, which is extremely high. Right. Meaning there could be no reasonable explanation. Right. Right. Um, obviously, like God miracled it, like is always a possibility. But, you know, again, reasonable doubt. I, I just want to say, like, so I just listened to a case yesterday where uh, an abusive partner uh, injected his former partner with uh, HIV positive blood. Mm. And it is. So here's the evidence that they had. They had. An uncharted blood draw from an HIV, a charted HIV positive patient. They had an un, they had a charted but un, like not sent to the lab. Like they, it was charted mm-hmm. that there was a blood draw, but it was not sent to the lab for a Hep C positive patient. They found both of these patients labeled blood in the doctor's refrigerator, and still, they had to go to a university who had just started like basically genotyping different strains of uh, the HIV virus. Mm -hmm. Like they having the blood of the HIV patient in his fridge was not enough to absolutely 100% nail this guy to the wall. So they went so far as to get it DNA tested, which was pretty new at the time. Mm -hmm. And I like law and order has poisoned all of us (laughs) into thinking that, you know, like there's going to be like a deep cello sort of moment. And, you know, there's going to be sort of a, a mental con- like dotted line between these two things. No, 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 no. It does not work like that yes. in the criminal case. Yeah. Uh, it, in the rare case it does. But yeah, most of the time everyone's like, or CSI, like there's going to yeah. be this like incredibly smoking gun physical evidence. But most cases are made with subst- with much more circumstantial uh, evidence and circumstantial evidence because of these shows gets like kind of a bad rap. Yeah. Right. But like, put it this way, like circumstantial evidence could simply be, okay. Um, two pe- there are two people in a room. There's a pickaxe. No one sees exactly what happens. Yeah. Right. Except one person comes out covered in blood. <laughs> and then there's a dead body on the ground with a pickaxe in their head. Like, Note that, like, and 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 you have no physical evidence that person A swung the thing into person B, but based on the circumstances, that is the only reasonable explanation. Like, <laughs> Zeus came in and did it is like, or the person slipped and fell hard enough to drive a pickaxe into their head. Right. Like, these are not reasonable explanations. So, yes, a lot of the time, that's like the quality of information we have. And that's, and that's perfectly, that's perfectly fine. And again, the this is a civil case. So right. all, all the jurors needed to believe is that it was more likely than not that Eugene Carroll was touched uh, against her will in a sexual manner by Donald Trump and his, his claims to the contrary, by the way, he, to which he offered no evidence and no testimony on his behalf. Great. Um, uh, that that her actual testimony and evidence provided beat his silence. That's it. That's all they had to decide. Yeah. That it was more likely than not that she was telling the truth. And they did. And that's important because defamation uh, has three elements. First, there needs to be a claim, right? And it has to be false. And it needs to be to a third party. Meaning me whispering to myself, uh, uh, like, and this is not true, but like me whispering to myself that like Bono molests dolphins, <laughs> right? If it's not to a third party, that's not defamation. No one heard it. There's no reputational harm to Bono, right? But if I go to you, Sarah, and I'm like, hey, Bono molests dolphins, right? <laughs> then, then, then we have the, the then we have the beginnings of a uh, of a defamation case because we have a false statement. As far as I know, that is a false statement. Um, to a third party. And in this case, it needed to be done because of New York statute with what is called actual malice, Hmm. right? Meaning that uh, you would have to know or should have known that your statement is false and you say it anyway. Yep. 
So in this case, it's important to establish that, hey, Donald Trump did actually sexually assault, um, did, did commit sexual battery, sorry, against Miss Carol. And obviously, if it happened and the jury believed that it did, then he knew that it happened. Yep. So when he called uh, uh, the case, quote, a complete con job and, quote, a hoax and a lie, end quote, he knew those statements were false. He conveyed them to a third party and he made them anyway, despite knowing that they were false and they would hurt her reputation. Can I, I I'm not, I'm, I promise I'm leaving the soapbox like mm-hmm. under the desk, but like I return to my perennial sort of thesis about Trump, which is all he had to do was stay the exact piece of gilded shit he's been his entire life, right? Yeah. Like, None of this, none of, none of like setting aside all of the crimes he committed as president, right? Like none of this ever had to happen, but this is somebody like when we talk about like blind power hunger, right? Like despite any possible consequences or whatever humiliation or scrutiny it might bring to you, like mm-hmm. he just had to stay a piece of shit in his New York shitty fucking gilded <laughs> ceiling apartment and his you know, his, his Palm Beach or uh, Mar-a-Lago, which he bought off of uh, a literal fucking heiress. Like, yeah. he had a great con going. And I just... <sighs> yeah, and, and here also, like, he brought the defamation on himself because he didn't have to, uh, to write about it. He didn't have to make any statement whatsoever. Nothing. He could have, again, he could just say and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And exactly. He could have said and done nothing. And he wouldn't have been liable for this. So he would have still been liable for the sexual for the sexual battery. Mm. But remember, this is a $5 million uh, verdict. So a substantial portion of this goes to the defamation. And I want to and, – and one thing you have to do for defamation claims is you have to prove actual injury. Yeah. And to do this, um, uh, obviously, Miss Carroll brought in experts uh, to testify to the type of damage. And one of those experts – uh, testified that to repair her, uh, uh, to repair her reputation would cost two point seven million dollars. Yep. Um, and you can imagine that being true because Donald Trump is a massive megaphone. He has a lot of followers, so getting it out there that she was telling the truth and countering that sort of um, uh, that sort of media presence that he has is extremely expensive. So I see you know, how it can come out there. This is not a crazy amount of money. This seems well within the lines. Uh, um, And so we wound up with a verdict in which, you know, the, both of these things were uh, that the jury decided both of these things um, uh, were true that um, Miss Carol brought. I'm sorry. It was under the adult survivors act. My apology. Mm -hmm. That's the name of it. And um, so thank you, Governor Hochul. We, I don't love you most of the time, but you did <laughs> sign this bill. So good. Well done. I'm going to give you credit where credit is due. So good job on, si- uh, on, on signing that. And so I just want to do the breakdown of the five million because I think this is um, this is important to see for people who want to know how this sort of sausage is made. Right. Um, there for a lot of things, there's no objective measure of value. The juries are just kind of guessing. So, like, you have to say, like, how much is it worth to someone to be sexually abused by another person and to be injured by that? Like, what would compensate you for that injury? And the jury in this case decided $2 million would compensate her for that injury. Um, I want to note here that, like, part of the reason that's so high is because he has deep pockets. Yeah. Right? That he, if the person, if he weren't Donald Trump, if you were me, for example, $2 million would be completely nonsensical because you'll never get it right. from that person. And the, it, so you, you, they can award it to you, but you, you're not going to get it. Um, and then there's like some ticky tack $20,000 in punitive damages because of the um, recklessness, negligence, or disregard uh, of Miss Carol's rights for the battery. And then the defamation portion uh, was $1 million for damages unrelated to the reputation repair program and 1.7 million that has to be devoted solely for the reputation uh, repair program. 
And note that this means that the 1.7 is not money like she gets to spend however she wants. That's money that is allotted specifically for the purpose of reputational repair. And then another 280 grand um, in punitive damages um, because of Trump's maliciousness, hatred, ill will, spite, wanton, reckless, and willful disregard of the rights of another. So $5 million, uh, in total. This is this is. I, I was just gonna circle back around to use terrible corporate speak, but like, you know, there. This is one way in which we get to talk about Trump as a unique individual, right? Because like Trump, prior to Trump being a political entity, like I would say Trump's pretty fucking annoying, but he didn't have like he wasn't out curating a rabid, malicious fan base, right? Like to do like you know. I'm sure he was a mega asshole to everybody around him 24 seven, but like he wasn't online trying to amass a sort of rabid following. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he is now, he really truly delights in the sort of like unhinged violence of his fans. And, you know, like people who are saying like, that's ridiculous. Like think about what it would be like if the fans of mm-hmm. Donald Trump were turned on you like a fucking fire hose. Like, you know, that's, that's internet scrubbing of things. That's making sure your address isn't any, I mean, we're talking like serious, serious. Um, what's that called? Uh, when, when, you know, it's like um, file guarding, it's like safeguarding all of your information mm-hmm. online. Like that's actually like a, a huge, like a big firm job. Right. And for someone like E.G. and Carol, who's a public figure, like, you know, somebody who's just like her friend who might have her address on a return envelope, right? Like that becomes yeah. very valuable information. You got to track all that shit down. And, and let's, and, let, and let's be honest that like no one can really hide <laughs> um, these days. So the it's moment, true. so the moment and, and, and someone like Donald Trump comes after you, you're going to be in danger. Yes. Um, and this actually added to Trump's liability here that if Trump, if Trump had less power to damage your reputation, if he had fewer followers, he would have been punished less because the harm to her reputation would have been less. Yeah. I think that's really important to note here that like, this is a situation where the bigger microphone you have, the bigger megaphone you have, the more damage you can do. Yeah. And if you choose to use that speech in a way that's defamatory, then you're doing more harm and therefore you owe more in restitution. Like we can talk about the, the right loves to talk about the first amendment, right? Like, and we yeah. could, we've said this 1 billion times that like the right to free speech is not mean the <laughs> you know, freedom from consequences. But like, this is one of the ways in which like we as a society enforce consequences for speech. Mm-hmm. Cause it's the classic libertarian statement of, <laughs> you know, my right to swing my arm ends where your nose begins. Yeah. And I think that's actually a decent summation here. We actually lean super libertarian in speech rights yeah. in the United States. But this falls well in line with that philosophy. He had the right to speak all he wanted yeah. until he used that to hit Miss Carroll in the face. Yes. Right? Yeah. And tr- again, truth is an absolute defense and, defense and defamation. Yeah. That if Donald Trump had, in fact, not sexually assaulted or... Um, uh, or, or committed sexual battery against uh, Miss Carroll, um, he would have been completely immunized against defamation because he would have been simply defending himself with the truth. Yep. He's allowed to do that. Yep. What you can't do is call someone a liar when you know that they are telling the truth. Yeah. And uh, can I just say, like, the one thing that did really surprise me about this is, like, they pulled a lot of testimony from her friends at the time who like mm-hmm. very, very vividly remembered her calling them very upset and describing in detail like what happened. And to the jury's credit, that it sounds like they mostly believe them. And like mm-hmm. historically, like I think until Me Too and until the Cosby movement, like groups of women having the same experience of, you know, whatever assault or sharing, you know, details of one person's assault or whatever, like there's like that misogynist witch hunt bullshit you know what i mean where it's just like well all these all these women having the same experience i don't know something smells a little like like okay so what's the 
what's our butter zone here about like believability? Like five is not enough, but like 20 is too many. So we're going like 16, 18. Ironically, everyone who commits this crime's favorite uh, age range. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is not like a mama bear situation, right? <laughs> like this is the more, the more people come forward, the more likely it is to be true. Let's yeah. just be honest. Like, we know that in these cases, when it's a single person like that one rando who George who accused George Takei, yes, um, yes. and then then admitted publicly that he was paid to say it, yes, right. I want to note that George Takei there um, did not sue that that man. Yep, um, and he would have been within his rights to do so, but chose not to do so because George Takei is not a shit human being. Yeah. Um, but like that that was important, and and that was very different than say what happened with Harvey Weinstein. Um, so the fact that over 20 women have accused Donald Trump of similar behavior should not make us believe them less, but in fact, believe each of them much, 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 much more. God, and it's not like this man has, you know, for example, like how crazy would it be if like they had him on videotape confessing to, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like a propensity for (laughs) sexual battery as a way of introducing themselves to married women or something. That'd be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and th- this is a reference to the Access Hollywood tape. And this was a- this this played a role in uh, the Carroll trial. Yeah. And so this is, you know, Trump's attorneys say that they're going to appeal, as is their right, <laughs> as is his right. Um, and one thing they say they're going to appeal was the judge's decision to allow the Access Hollywood tape to be played. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're saying like it was unfairly prejudicial and not probative. But I think it's important here because of those people who understand sexual predators know that it is something that is done multiple serially and not not a one off. Yes. And so it was I mean, I would say that they're probably going to lose on that in um, on appeal (laughs) because it established helps establish, along with the testimony of other women, a pattern of behavior, which we know is uh, based on the research into this simply part of this type of psychology and behavior for individuals who uh, commit these type of actions. So again, like I understand they have to throw whatever spaghetti they can against, against the wall. But I think it's really important for us to look at that objectively, you know, whether or not this is Donald Trump saying, okay, what do we know about people who sexually abuse others and sexually exploit others? What type of information would be probative in establishing whether or not this person, right, is more likely than not to commit this sort of behavior? And that those sort of statements and that pattern of behavior, as testified by others and provided by the recording of the Access Hollywood tape, it, it all goes toward establishing him as exactly the kind of serial sexual predator who does exactly what Miss Carroll described. Like, all women know this guy most like most dudes in some way like most good guys know this dude maybe not exactly what they do but like good dudes also get like very bad vibes from this kind of man uh you know exactly the kind of person that we're talking about like for so many people the moment trump burst onto the scene we're like oh god like Mm -hmm. because trump is not (laughs) trump is a die cast right like Trump is a die cast of one of the most common kinds of asshole that exists in the world. And, you know, we've said this a million times on this podcast and we'll say it a million other times. Like anytime you meet an abusive person in some way or another, they have abused women. So uh, mass shooters often have, you know, a past of domestic violence, Um, you know, uh, (laughs) like, the kind of corporate shithead who like um, raids companies and like fires a third of them to raise the stock price. If you can't tell, I just listened to the behind the bastards about Jack Welch. Um, (laughs) You know, like all of these people will have some woman in their life that they abused in some way. And Donald Trump is such a poster child for that kind of dude, that kind of like, Mm -hmm. The only, you know, we've said it before, but like the only way to assert power is like the total dehumanization of the next person down the ladder from you. Yeah. And that's all that that's all that this is. Right. This is like the whole grab by the pussy thing is just like women are nothing to me. Like 
women are not only not people like they are pussies like they are pussies with legs that god forbid occasionally talk you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. um and he wishes they wouldn't Um, yes other than to call him mr trump or to uh you know tell him how big his dick is or whatever yeah um yep so i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest that like i find it a little gross how trump's lawyer conducted this um that uh his name's the the lawyer's name is joseph takapina and after (laughs) sorry Sorry. yeah i know right it's a little (laughs) on the nose i feel like if this were a movie people would be like that name i don't know about that name yeah if that came across my desk as like you know as as a head writer i'd be like i listen have a cup of coffee take a nap have a run and have another run at that other lawyer's name. <laughs> yeah. Like there was a pitcher who was in the major leagues for a while. Whose last name was Outman. <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed a little on the nose that he was a pitcher. Um, uh, Cause I mean, I guess it would have made no sense if he were a hitter. It's just like, Oh man. Um, but like, so Joseph Takapina claimed, quote, strange verdict. This was a rape claim. This was a rape case all along. And the jury rejected that. Made other made other findings will obviously be appealing those other findings, which is just like a horrible misrepresentation of the uh, of, of the case. Like, yeah, I think it's important when we are trying to figure out the strength of various legal arguments. It's like when someone's trying to tell you that an apple is a banana, yeah. uh, you should be very leery. <laughs> Benny, Benny. <laughs> so Benny just wanted to chime in. He he wanted to say, uh, he wanted to say that he is against toxic masculinity. Yeah. He strongly supports survivors. Yeah. Uh, and to believe women. We know that Benny is a feminist king. One hundred percent, Benny is a feminist king. Um, and he proves that uh, he proves that every day. Um, by treating everyone equally, he believes that everyone should scratch his butt. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna say he believes it is everyone's duty to scratch him and give him pets. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> um, so, I, I, one thing I always look for, at least as, as a lawyer, is like how, like, there's an old saying in the law that like when the law's on your side, when the facts are on your side, argue the facts. When the law's on your side, argue the law. When neither the facts nor the law are on your side, pound the table. <laughs> This is like very obviously table pounding. Yeah. Right. Let, let's be honest. Like he's not arguing facts. He's not arguing law. He's literally, literally pounding the table. So you, at that point, the law, my lawyer brain just goes, yeah, fuck that guy. He doesn't have a case. You know, like I don't have to listen anymore. He ha- doesn't have a case. He knows he doesn't have a case. Like, um, like there's a reason why, uh, why Donald Trump didn't testify or offer any defense is because they're essentially isn't one um that like in the deposition which was taped trump not only confused a picture of miss carol with his then wife marla maple uh outstanding yeah which by the way he you know and he kept saying that uh, miss carol was not his type but his wife was clearly his type and Uh. he confused her with his wife so uh obviously the jury can put two and two together he then told um uh, one of Miss Carroll's uh, counsel, who is a woman and a very well-regarded lawyer, that, uh, you know, she wasn't his type either. No, no, Matt, no. Yeah, which is gross on Lord knows how many levels. Oh, my God. He can't. He cannot help himself. Yeah. Okay. I, First of all, I need to make a confession. I am so sexually attracted to Mark Bankston, who is the uh, plaintiff's attorney in the Alex Jones uh, Texas case. <laughs> yeah, um, he is just like normally he proce- he does um, uh, like big medical um, uh, device like mm, yeah. What's that called? Do you know what I mean? Like safety stuff, like big yeah. huge settlements for stuff like that. And he got he got him. He got Alex Jones. But he talked about on info or on knowledge fight that like it was really wild to work against somebody who could not help themselves. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yep. 
Alex Jones, like Trump, they both have this unimaginable compulsion to 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 disconnect from reality, like two polar opposite magnets just opposing each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those things can often be I think it's important that like, I mean, I think the the cases that Bankston brought against uh, Alex Jones were really important because they started showing the cracks in the sort of alternate universe that right wing media has created that when held up to actual scrutiny, any type of actual scrutiny and objective analysis, even the people like Alex Jones know that it, it doesn't make any sense. Yep. Alex Jones' only defense was essentially that he plays a character, it's all a performance, and no reasonable person would believe anything that Alex Jones said. In fact, like, so that was his, that was his defense for the, for, for the last lawsuit. So Alex Jones, this, I'm begging, I am begging everyone who, if you love this podcast, go through Knowledge Fight. It's an, it's a InfoWars, like, criticism by two really, really funny, smart comedians, um, they've also plugged my product on air. Nice. I uh, love you guys, Dan and Jordan. Uh, but um, they have, first of all, I just, this is so insane. I'm sorry to, di- I'm sorry to distract from this, but it's so funny. So these guys have watched basically every single episode of Alex Jones, of the Alex Jones show. So wow. Mark Bangston deposed them, not deposed them, sorry. He had them sit in on all the Alex Jones depositions because Dan, the uh, one host, like the lead host, has such an encyclopedic knowledge of Mm. wild shit Jones has said. Mm -hmm. And he did this and then couldn't talk about it on the on the actual podcast for like months. Um, But but so uh, so to give you an idea of how like compulsively detached Alex Jones is from reality, um, he made up this. I mean, fully made up, fabricated this wild story. He's told it dozens of times on air about how Scarlett Lewis, uh, he told her to watch the show and she came back and said that she watched the show and cried and said that, oh, she was so wrong about him and her lawyers were so wrong and she cried and hugged him. And it's so, it's that mm-hmm. in and of itself was defamatory to the point that they started the proceedings to sue for defamation on that point, mm-hmm. which starts with demanding a retraction. Like that is the reason that I love that all these people are finally getting sued is because they cannot help but constantly stomp all over their own dick and balls with every single step that they take. And I love it. And it's good for the courts to step in and do their job here. I think yeah. that's really important, that they serve an important role, at least in this case, um, regulating public speech in making sure that defamatory bullshit actually gets confronted yeah. and exposed for what it is. Yeah. Because as we as we pointed out, like there's real harm here. Right. This is this stuff is not costless. Like Alex Jones and Donald Trump might not give a shit the harm it does to the people they defame. But the rest of us should. And apparently, thank God we do. Yeah. Um, And like. It's one thing for podcast hosts to expose this stuff, right? It's another thing for the courts and juries of of our peers to come down with uh, with actual verdicts yeah um and some form of restitution for the victims yeah. now i don't know i'll be interested in your thoughts here sarah what if any consequences do you think this verdict is going to have for donald trump's uh presidential aspirations in 2024 i mean so regard like uh... It's really hard to talk about Donald Trump because he's, it's not the same guy, right? Like, it's not the same guy. Like, we don't, we're not coming at Donald Trump from a place of ignorance of like, oh, he's a disruptor. Like, he's going to change, you know, like, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm giving that the most positive possible, like, I don't know, maybe that we all kind of fell for a second in (laughs) 2016, right? Like, because we couldn't stop it. So at some point it was like, "Ah, I don't know, like, maybe he'll figure it out. I don't know. And then he didn't. And then he turned out to be like so much dumber all the time, always than we could have possibly imagined. And I think that at this point, 
he's so obviously a liability, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he is a huge liability to the GOP. Uh, the 2020 election was proof that he's absolutely poison. Um, you know, the fact that, uh, sorry, I can't stop laughing about Herschel Walker because so many <laughs> other people did such funny, like send ups of Herschel Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a comedian who looked so much like him, um, and would do these bits where he would just talk his Herschel Walker nonsense, but the fact that he lost to me in Georgia was like, okay, like we're, you know, we're on the other side of like Trump as sort of this magic potion for like otherwise entirely unelectable people. Right. Um, I don't know. Like if it was 2016, I would say it would have helped him because he, you know, he had so much momentum from everybody else who had a, um, you know, persecution complex. Right. Yeah. Um, and now that we see what a poisonous and stupid and harmful and vainglorious and pathologically self-interested person he is, like, you know, the now the GOP will use that as a as you know a platform to step off. You know, I hope so. And again, the margins are so close in the for the twenty twenty four election that even peeling off one or two percent of his voters would be enough to make winning completely unobtainable yep uh uh for trump and i and i think that's the best case scenario we can hope for that a small but measurable portion of republicans just nope out just like yep. look like this is too much i'm maybe i don't vote for joe biden but i'm not voting for you know this rapist right <laughs> yeah. sorry this this sexual batterer <laughs> yeah. right and, and just be like you know like call, Get, get back to me. I'm going to sit this election out. Get back to me when we have when we have someone who's like not a horrible shit stain of a human being <laughs> as our candidate. Like Joe Biden, there's this, uh, Joe Biden is you know there's this great uh, article I think in the Atlantic called like the ice cream theory of Joe Biden or something like that. That like <laughs> basically he's vanilla ice cream that like it's not anyone's favorite flavor, but it's also really hard to get <laughs> mad about vanilla ice cream. <laughs> right like it's acceptable first of all i want to say uh that my lovely love that is in fact his favorite flavor of ice cream um which is also funny considering how he is in other ways yeah um (laughs) but uh i we do you do have to admit that there's something particularly 21st century about calling something plain that is flavored by a hand pollinated tahitian orchids (laughs) Uh, bean pod i you know yes, as a gardener i'm a little offended by that comparison i just yeah. have to say it but thank god for artificial flavoring um <laughs> which mostly comes from beavers that's i did not know that that is I'm also sorry. T- terrifying <laughs> it's, it's uh, uh beaver glands there you go um uh, i'm just gonna pretend like you said nothing okay great yeah, I'm just that that's being deleted from the memory banks. Uh, that's why uh, that's why a lot of vegans don't eat artificial vanilla. OK, um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm still going to eat it. I would go. Uh, I know. OK, uh, another reason why beavers are awesome. I'm just going <laughs> to add it to the list of reasons uh, why beavers are great. But I, 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 I but I think that's really right. That as much as I don't want Joe to run in 2024, I do see this. I do see this at least from a purely pragmatic point of view that like, you know, vanilla ice cream. I think vanilla ice cream is going to win here. <laughs> I really do. Um, and it's not, it's not a bad play. I get the logic. Do you know what? Like, do you want to know what? I know that sounded really Canadian just, just now. Do you want to know what? Mm. Uh, I, I think that I hate saying this. I hate, I don't think, really anything came out of Trump in a positive way. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. kind of realizing that you swallowed a diamond and you're like, Oh, well, I do have to sit through a lot of poop, but at some point I will find a diamond. So <laughs> I got that going for me. And it's like, well, yeah. you always had the diamond. The point was not to swallow it anyway. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for young people, for women, for every person of color, but especially like black people and Muslim Americans and Mexican Americans, to see that the Republican Party will elect fucking anybody who is racist, right? Like, mm-hmm. they'll elect anybody with objectively bad ideas. They'll, they are 
unstoppable ideologues, even if it hurts them and their families and their children and their grandchildren, right? Like as we saw with mm-hmm. the rolling back of Roe v. Wade with Dobbs. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, like I think that they finally kicked a hornet's nest that they are not prepared to to deal with. And a lot of women who probably never even talk about their position on abortion, like have been through difficult pregnancies or have been through miscarriages and had to get a DNC, which is like, again, very common medical care, yeah. like very common, especially among, you know, those nice church ladies who like to pop out, you know, a whole, you know, offensive line of kids. Uh, they have to get a lot of DNCs because that's what happens when you are a brood mare. Uh, I think that, we finally had ideology slam so hard into reality and for so many of us to see that they are going to pick ideology over reality, even if it hurts all of us, including them. It's like, Oh shit. Yep. Yes. I will take the vanilla ice cream. I am so sorry that I complained that the other flavor was black sesame. Black sesame sounds great. Put a, put some black sesame with the vanilla ice cream. I'm super stoked. I apologize. I am happy with the ice cream that you have. I will enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah. Especially when, you know, life is about alternatives. Um, <laughs> and you discover that the other alternative is, in truth, we were telling you the truth all along that it is indeed simply rat poison. <laughs> that we, we weren't lying to you. Like, we, we were, we were, you were trying to help. Um, but... That's, I think, going to wrap up our discussion of the case. And uh, in a rare good note, I think this is like a rare, relatively upbeat episode. So like, <laughs> hooray for us. Yeah, uh, hooray for us. Hooray for E. Jean Carroll. Hooray for E. Jean Carroll's attorney. And for every woman who breathed a little bit today. You know, I I just want to say, like, I know so many women and, and I am one of them who experience so many things on this side of forcible rape, right? That we just never talk about. Yeah. And, and personally, uh, like all of my worst experiences, and this was, I saw a opinion article on CNN that said testifying, testifying about my rape was more traumatic than the rape itself. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to lift up the extraordinary act of bravery um, of taking this to court at all. Um, of uh, the risk that it takes and the trauma of recounting these events. And on behalf of everybody who never got the chance to do that, I just want to say thank you, Eugene Carroll, because you are making a difference. Amen. So speaking of making a difference, so we just got uh, a three pack of, uh, of both of scorpion honey, uh, vernal <laughs> elixir, and I think I can't remember what the third one was. Ah, uh, sweet stinger, always. Uh, sweet stinger. There yes, we go. The MVP. And they. Uh, so we're going to be going to the Catskills in nice. uh, a few weeks um, for a long weekend with with my brother and my sister in law. Nice. And I'm going to say we are bringing along all those things awesome. uh, to make a difference in our barbecuing. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. That's a perfect application for it. And I'm jealous. Uh, the Catskills are uh, an unsung piece of little heaven in the Northeast, you know? I 100% agree. And people are like, what are you going to be doing? I'm like, we are literally buying a fuck ton of meat. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're going to be making some bomb ass marinades. <laughs> and then we are going to spend like real Koreans uh, a lot of time. <laughs> grilling inside outside all sorts of places all different types of stuff yes uh until we can barely move and then when we can't move we're like you know sing karaoke or whatever until we are ready to ingest more meat (laughs) oh my god that sounds magic i hope everybody has an evening has it has a chance in their lifetime to experience a true all night low abv but constant drinking experience of uh you know a true a true korean barbecue evening it sounds like you're gonna do that Oh, 100 percent. And uh, if you do that, it's a terrible name. There's a beer called OB. It stands for Oriental Brewery. Yes. Yeah. However, it is the perfect beer to drink. Yep. It's like a session beer. Yep. It's the perfect beer to drink when you're uh, going to be eating barbecue over many, 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 many hours. Yes. Um, so I'm just saying it's going to and also it's light and it's refreshing. So it's going to go well to like help have, help counterbalance 
um, the the vinegary heat from the uh, hot honey. Yes. Um, also, um, just for fun, if you want to check out this kind of new thing that I'm goofing around with, it's called uh, Dolly Pop Gloss Bar, and it's um, it's a bunch of like lip glosses that are in fun packaging and we set it up like a candy store and I'm building its backdrop today, which is why I have my camera off, but I am covered in um, sticky <laughs> tack and glitter. Um, and I can't wait to put that online. So check that out at dollypopgloss.com. That's exciting. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, uh, well, what, well, not you, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to see the glittery fun when it's, you know, up on the stuff and not all over you. Yeah, I've made, um, because some of the candies are in packages that look like candy, I've made um, pieces of candy that are, hmm, what would be their scale? Probably a 20 scale, a 20 times mm. scale. Um, so giant candies wrapped in cellophane. It's going to be really fun. That is uh, that is so much fun. So go to metalhoney.com, <laughs> go to Dolly Pop Gloss, um, and, and uh, help support the show. You know, make Sarah a trillionaire, and then we can just, you know, <laughs> record this from the Maldives or something. Yeah, exactly. We'll just record content from exotic locations until we are so far removed from our average audience that it's unlistenable. Yeah, in which we're only going to we're going to be doing um, reactions and reviews of. <laughs> Uh, like exotic foods. Yeah, exactly. And of like, of like mega yachts. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do one of those, one of those like a uh, resort review channels. Like, you know, every, but the, the info that everybody is clambering for. Yeah. We're going to talk about how Jeff Bezos's uh, gigantic mega yacht is like, <sighs> so last year. Uh, you know, that's how it works. It's, it's like, uh, it's like the Midwestern couch cycle. Like at some point the living room couch gets old and it becomes the basement couch, right? Like Jeff Bezos main yacht becomes too small, becomes the resupply yacht, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Um, and if you want to, uh, so we're going to be having a follow-up episode to our uh, healthcare law law episode. We're going to be answering your substantive questions, uh, about healthcare law. Um, so if you have those questions, tweet at us at Perp Stew on Twitter. You can even send us a DM um, and uh, we will get back to you. That's fine. And we will include the best questions in the show. So please participate. Um, and uh, we're going to be having lots for fun content. We're going to be adding lots more fun stuff in the next few weeks. Hell yeah. So Sarah, thank you so much as always. Thank you. And this has been The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.